Today on CityCast Boise, I sit down with Boise State Public Radio's George Prentice and our very own Frankie Barnhill for our weekly news chat. We discuss George's explosive interview with City Councilperson Lisa Sanchez about gatekeeping at City Hall and dig into who's behind the recently announced anti-drag bill. Plus, can you guess what I'm being for Halloween? It's Friday, October 21st, 2022. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is CityCast Boise. All right. Good morning, you two. Frankie, George, thanks so much for being here. Hi, Emma. Oh, it's such a pleasure, Emma. Yes. Um, I'm just going to start us out with something a little fun here. George, what have you been watching? What are you? What have you seen lately? I know you're a big movie fan. <laughs> I am a big movie fan. And so can I brag a little? Oh, please. Yeah. Because I, I see movies before they come out. Okay. And Fancy. so I've been seeing some pretty great movies. So honestly... I knew I was ready to return to theaters and that whole cinema experience again, but I was a little concerned. Okay, yeah, but how about the content? Is the content actually going to be be there? And some of the films I've seen that are going to open in the next 60 days are some of the best films I've seen maybe in the last 10 years. Oh, so, amazing. So there is a new film that will open in December adapted uh, from the book uh, Women Talking. Uh, which will get people talking. So I'll just drop some names of the cast. Uh, Frances McDormand, Rooney oh, Mara, um, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, um, right? And at all women, writer, director, producer. And it's it's a phenomenal uh, story that will get people talking. So I'll just throw the title out there, Women Talking. And I cannot shake this movie. Hmm. Oh, I can't wait to see it. That sounds amazing. It's great. What about you, Frankie? What have you been watching? Uh, I have been watching and trying to justify watching House of the Dragon to myself <laughs> and to Good others. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I go back and forth about why I still like it, but I will say Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook, they are the moment, uh, you know, what am I drinking? I'm having a Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco, <laughs> stunning, like all day, all day. Uh, so yeah, but I mean... I was a big uh, Game of Thrones fan, right? But like, I didn't, I've never read the books. So I know that a lot of people who read uh, Fire and Blood are loving House of the Dragon. And I'm nerdy enough that I can get into it just from the sake of like, oh, I love, oh, there's some prophecy here. And there's some, these um, characters who are, of course, it's the gray areas of like, are they good? Are they bad? All that stuff. Anyway, but I do have to find myself being like, wait, why am I still watching this? <laughs> Like there's a lot of reasons not to, too. Emma, what are you what are you watching? Um, you know, I've been so busy. I haven't had a chance to go to a movie or anything re- recently, and this is ridiculous. But the only thing I've watched lately is Star Trek Voyager. Ooh, <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a huge Star Trek fan, but I never yeah. made it all the way through the Voyager like when it was on. And so I've been catching up on that. I watch it. It's like. It's like my fall asleep to, like, I love to fall asleep to a Star Trek show. So I've been watching Voyager and it's, it's interesting because it's so, like, it encapsulates the time, you know, like late 90s, early 2000s. It's really, it's interesting in so many ways.
ways, just like the little the little moments that you're like, wow, that really is so indicative of that period. Mostly sexism is what I'm talking about, but <laughs> some other things too. So so that's but that's kind of my like before bed, I watch an episode of that and fall asleep to that. You got to have your comfort show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's my wubby. All right. Let's uh, dig into the news. George, you were the first to break this amazing Lisa Sanchez story and what uh, story it was. Um, did you approach her? Did she approach you? How did that come about? Yeah, I approached her. So um, I think the worst kept secret in town is how wonky I am. And I will listen to any meeting possible and and read agendas, et cetera. So it was a pretty dry, typical, what they call workshop meeting of the city council just two weeks ago when staff at the city update lawmakers on this or that, whatever. And and a uh, a staffer uh, stood before city council and she gave them the latest executive summary on one of what her now dozens of studies on affordable housing or the lack thereof in Boise. And so it was a pretty typical discussion. And I'm watching this and I, and I think I looked on YouTube and I think Seven people were watching this in the entire city. <laughs> Classic, yeah, right. Like <laughs> there were more people in the room, including than, than you. Yeah, Seven, yeah, and I was, yeah. So, um, and all of a sudden, Lisa Sanchez uh, just said it was a trigger moment for her. And quite simply, it was. It wasn't about the analysis. She was looking at the list of the authors of this analysis, and quite, and, and they were people who, who weren't like her. Right. And uh, time and again, she has seen this as she voiced. And she said, here's just another instance. I am the only person of color. I'm the only person who rents. I'm the only person who has faced eviction. And time and again, not only am I not invited, I'm just not even part of any conversation on an issue where I think I could bring a, a lot to that conversation. And the and Mayor McLean was a little taken aback and she was kind of verbally pushing uh, Lisa Sanchez back saying, oh, well, don't take it out on staff. And she said, well, hold on. If I don't make this publicly, with all due respect, I feel like a ghost. And it was uncomfortable to the nth degree. So you bet I had that on the air uh, the next morning. And uh, and I noticed that uh, in the next 72 hours, no one else in the media was doing the story yet. Uh, a couple of them picked it up. So I called over to City Hall and I said, Councilwoman Sanchez, let's talk. Let's just let it roll and let's talk. And she let it rip. And uh, and she she shared so many more experiences, which were really, really troubling. Yeah. And um, we're going to play actually a clip of one right now, which when I heard, I mean, I'm getting chills right now, even thinking about it. But I, when I was listening to it, when she said it, it really just gave me chills. You know, I had one of my colleagues say to me that, you know, perhaps the reason I'm not invited to some of these important meetings is because people are afraid that I will make them feel racist. And I thought, you know, well, that's a chilling thing. If if somebody just feeling that my mere presence is going to make them feel a certain way, the fact that somebody has the power to preserve their own comfort over what is the right thing to do. And the right thing to do is to have uh, someone like myself who was elected fair and square to serve at the Boise City Council. I should have access to those rooms where decisions are being made. I, I'm sorry, uh, did my person input... who was elected to office say this? 
Yes. Wow. That is very powerful. Right? And what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> who, who who said this? I, I, I get that she uh, didn't want to name, uh, but uh, oh my gosh, another elected official said that? But I think it was important that an elected official, Whew, a public yeah. servant said this. Yeah. And it's like, what the hell is going on over there? Yeah. And she kind of goes on to say, like, she thinks that person may have even been trying to be thinks they're being helpful is trying to say, like, oh, if you play by the rules and play nice, you'll get into these rooms. And it's even the fact that that person thought they were being helpful is just terrible. And a a pretty pedestrian question of mine to uh, the councilwoman was, "Okay, what has been the reaction from your colleagues? And she said, nothing. No one has talked. No one has talked to me. It's like, what? What am I missing here? What am I missing here? It's like, do you honestly think that by not even addressing that moment, let alone the bigger picture, that you're going to be able to walk forward? Right? I mean, we're we're never going to go forward. If you think that this will just go away because it hasn't gotten enough media traction right now, it'll only, I mean, quite frankly, it's a bit of a cancer, Right. I mean, this type of nonsense is cancerous, and uh, and it's disturbing. What do her co- constituents feel about this? Hearing that um, she's perhaps not invited into all of these rooms, and I guess you know, one thing I, I wonder about because, of course, there's uh, public meeting laws, um, but she's talking more about kind of like working sessions, and that's that's a problem because it's all it's all part of um, governance, and it's all part of the reason why she was elected. But the fact that, right, that her colleagues had not yet reached out to her, at least at the time of your interview earlier this week, um, is also a little worrying. Yeah. You know, and I realize that that is, uh, it's not atypical, right, for a lot of people to ignore something and hope that it just kind of floats away, right? Sure. Uh, Uncomfortable things. That said, I'll never listen to another announcement, a press conference, I'll never read another press release that has anything to do with affordable housing from the city of Boise without thinking about this. It's like, who was not in the room for this analysis, for this decision, for this conversation, right? Well, and and even, you know, the city of Boise has done a big diversity and inclusion push. And then when you're hearing that uh, the one person, you know, the one Latina on city council is being excluded from all this. It's your same thing. When you see anything that they're announcing about diversity and inclusion, it's like, clean your own house first. When, you know? when, it's interesting how they celebrate anything that's in a history book, right? That that they can't see, touch, or actually converse with, um, right? I mean, we we practically break a rib in this town, patting ourselves on the back. For our, <laughs> for our, you know, Boise kind, whatever you want to call it, in diversity, mm-hmm. et cetera. It's like, well, hold on, hold on. You know, this is, and uh, somewhere in this conversation, for all of the uh, celebration that the city had about the Irma Heyman house and the renovation, which right. is amazing, et cetera, Lisa Sanchez said, what if Irma Heyman was on the city council today? What would mm, she yeah. have to say, right? And it's like, wow, that's that's a really good way of putting it. And would she be welcome in those rooms? Like exactly. Lisa said in your interview, would she... You know, we're celebrating all this, but would she actually be welcome in those rooms? A woman who was redlined into a district and could not buy a home in any other part of Boise. And we celebrate her now as an icon, as a late icon, et cetera. But the fact is, redlining is redlining. And we can do it verbally. We can do it geographically. uh, We can do it culturally. 
Um, but Boise is a very white town by design. Mm-hmm. I reached out to, so I, I thought it was interesting that you asked if anybody had reached out to Lisa afterwards. So I I texted her and just out of curiosity and said, has anybody, because now it's been like a few days or whatever since your yeah. um, interview came out. And so I said, has anybody reached out to you? And she said, yeah, actually quite a few people have just from the public have reached out to her. Okay. In fact, a Latino bank manager in Twin Falls reached out to her and said, uh, that he related to her experience 100% and he wanted to help her in the 2023 re-election campaign. Hmm. And she had a lot of support just from people from the public who said, yeah, I'm living through that same thing. I appreciate you being, you know, so open about your experience. And um, and, and so I'm I'm very glad to hear she's getting support, at least from her constituents and, and from people, the rest, you know, other people in Idaho. But I think but it's still, also a charge for us, right? I mean, it's yeah. a charge for CityCast. It's a charge for what I do. We yep. have to elevate these conversations. And if it makes people uncomfortable, I'm sorry. But if someone in Twin Falls can hear that and then reach out and voice support, that that's on us, right? That charge is on us, too. If they're not going to do it, maybe we can elevate it. Yeah, that was something that struck me, you know, about your interview is that Lisa, through the whole thing, is so gracious to her colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she protects them and she's kind and compassionate to their motives and it made me think about how so often people of color have to uh they have to be gracious in those situations and how it puts the onus on the people around her who can say something to actually stick up for her you know to actually to have the uncomfortable impolite conversation so that lisa doesn't have to and i would really hope maybe after this interview but some of the people around her would be willing to say hey uh why isn't like she said in that interview i you know she wh so why is no one saying why isn't lisa in this room why isn't lisa here she needs to be here she's the only renter she's the only person of color Lisa should be in this room. Like someone should be stopping that meeting and saying, yeah, I don't feel comfortable proceeding till Lisa's in this room. All right, let's talk about the new anti-drag legislation uh, they're planning to put out next <laughs> legislation season. Uh, George, <laughs> your thoughts? So this announcement came from someone by the name of Blaine Kanzade, who is the president of something called the Idaho Family Policy Center. So he's the one who's saying, oh, there's going to be legislation in January. It's like, really, Mr. Kanzade? Which office were you elected to? Uh, like, right. <laughs> like, like, you're not, a, right? And, and, and nowhere in this report is there a legislator's name, an active legislator's name, right? That's not to say that he's not lining people up to sponsor this, but this needs to be a wake-up call for people of who is, quote-unquote, writing the legislation uh, or, you know, rubber stamping it and then just handing it to someone along with the talking points. And let's assume that, yes, there is going to be a proposed bill that will surface in January, but... I don't see an elected official's name attached to it now and uh, even proposing it at this stage. Um, but but the bigger question, right? Prohibiting public drag performances? Yeah. Do you really want to go there? Well, and they're saying in the in that brief he put out, he's saying, oh, it's legally defensible. And I'm like, how? I don't understand. Every single lawyer I saw on Twitter was like, absolutely, it's not. There's no way they'll be able to defend this. It'll just cost the state taxpayers a whole bunch of money, as usual. The only thing I can think of, and boy, Idaho really got 
uh, their their fingers caught in the mousetrap on this years ago was attaching the obscenity laws to serving wine and and uh, beer in movie theaters, right? And, and and boy, that blew up in their face. But it was it was based on nonsense like this of people who didn't want other people to see R-rated movies. You know, I mean, truly, that's what we're talking about here. I mean, drag performance, please, half of Idaho Shakespeare is like their drag performances. Yeah, for homecoming, my son's high school football team, like, did like a jokey drag performance thing, you know, and it's like, are you going to, is that, is that, does that fall within this? Like, where are you going to stop right. any of this? Doesn't make any sense. Public a- space at a high school. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I will say, I think uh, we need to obviously center the LGBTQ experience around drag and what uh, that is and what this means for performers and artists and people in the crowd who are going to one of these shows. I mean, we, we spoke with um, Frida Knights is a local drag performer in June. Uh, we'll link to the, the conversation with her, but she spoke really eloquently about what this means for a marginalized group to, to have this opportunity to perform and not only to be on stage, but then also for the people in the crowd who are identifying with these performances and feeling inspired, feeling stronger, feeling like they can actually be in the community and feel safe for a second. Um, and that's just something that I feel like all these conversations, we knew this wasn't going away. I should, I just want to note, yeah, the Idaho Family Policy Center, they're explicitly a Christian policy research uh, group, and they're very new on the scene. We have heard about them before because they made a, um, yeah, they, they made some progress last year for their causes on the 2021 uh, legislative session, but they are they are fairly new to Idaho. So if you haven't heard of them, that's that's why. Let's call this out for what it is. I think I think this is a fundraising stunt. Uh, uh-huh. Quite frankly, that that you know when I when I read this stuff, this is how they get more money from the people they already get money from. Right before the election, too. Yeah. In the election, etc. And sure. and and by the way, let's assume that this doesn't get anywhere near passage, but they will have the microphone. And they'll have the microphone for two, three weeks, maybe, over at the state house, and we'll eat it up. And by we, I mean me and 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 the other media, and we'll we'll put it in the spotlight, et cetera. Um, and if people see that it's nonsense, but the people who do not think that it's nonsense, right, they'll feel as if, oh wow, they actually got a couple of points on this. Right. Well, and I wonder how empowered this group feels around something like this because mm-hmm. of what happened with Boise Pride and the sponsors that They've we got saw. The sponsors you know, to back down. Who mm-hmm. back down, and I'll never forgive and never forget. Um, Idaho Power, all those uh, local banks. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it, it's just one of those things that uh, clearly this moment it's not it's not going away, but it's also tough to know when to highlight it, and especially because as as media like. You know, this the session's months away still, um, so it does feel like an interesting timing for them to be talking about this right now. Well, and it's got to be terrifying to be trans in this state uh, in general. But when something like this gets some traction, it makes me think how like because the un- the end goal of this it's fundraising, but the end goal is to be able to arrest people uh, and punish people for being trans and for being outside of gender norms. And so, you know when we're talking about where does it end well it ends with being able to you know their end goal is being able to punish people for not following gender norms and you know it it's it's must be just absolutely terrifying you know uh Kanzati had said in that 
uh, the article I read from Idaho Capital Sun that drag he considers drag to be inherently sexualized, you know, a caricature of gender. And he says that it's like the same as blackface, essentially, and just a complete misunderstanding of like the art and, you know, just like the the expression of it. And but I think that that is more it's it's kind of more like it's him trying to mislead the point to some degree to act like it's sexual because he he considers trans people existing sexualized, you know, like that very their very existence to him is something sexualized. And what happens between now, in other words, when this story was published and the legislation, uh, the proposed legislation surfaces, this story remains, and those people in fear will think twice about staying here. Will look at their other options of going someplace else, and to that end, uh, these folks get their way to that degree they they get yeah. to con- that they can uh, maintain the fear yeah although i do want to say i felt like what happened at pride seems to have been a catalyst and i've seen people who maybe wouldn't normally stick up for pride or maybe wouldn't usually get into the fray i feel like maybe uh the they've overplayed their hand to some degree, like in try in trying to get pride, you know, events at pride banned, because I feel like I'll, instead what happened is like double the amount of people as normal showed up for pride and people donated. And I think maybe uh, Boise and Idaho in general, a lot of people are really sick of this. We're done. It's, you know, like people who normally don't aren't politically active, I'm seeing get very involved with pride events and stuff like that. So you know, maybe, maybe, hopefully, it's again, like, those of us who are, you know, cis or straight need to get out there and say, like, okay, I'm, I'm fighting for this, because it's, they're pushing it and pushing it because people haven't really paid attention. I agree with you 100%. But I also think that what that when corporate sponsorship backed up pride of just a few years ago, I thought that was a significant turning point. And mm-hmm. I think we have taken a step back from that. And I hope, I mean, there is one strategy that would say nothing when this legislation surfaces and let it fall from its own weight and let them die in embarrassment, right? Um, and and just letting the, the people have their say in the public testimony. Because my sense is that's probably where this is going to go. But in the meantime, there there are folks who just love to poke. And this is one big poke. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, part of how they got this legislation, you know, they're, they're trying to act like the Idaho Constitution calls for something like this. And I was going to read this. The first concern of all good government is the virtue and sobriety of the people and the purity of the home. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's what they're basing this anti-drag stuff on. But when I read that, I thought like, man, that really just gets to the heart of why Idaho is really uptight. But you know what? Why why can't I take those same words and why can't I own those words, right? Yeah. In supporting these things. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Like why the virtue in my home is right. that we, you know, we support drag performance and we support LGBTQ rights. And uh, that's the virtue and sobriety and purity of my home personally. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I think we have just one more question for you, and it is a fun one. Uh-oh. George, what are you excited about for the fall? I'm like most people. I do love the fall. Uh, I love when people um, have an excuse to to dress up and and pretend to be someone that they're not for a night. Um, and uh, and I love you know when 
the little ones have fun at their elementary schools and all that. Halloween is just so cool, right? Um, oh, and and we, we still haven't screwed that <laughs> one up too bad, <laughs> right? So, yeah. so I love to see other people having a really good time. Other people, you're not going to dress up? No. You don't ever do a costume? No. No, no, no. I, I, you heard it here, Boise. If George Prentice does not dress up I for Halloween. Dress, We're all shocked. I, We're all shocked. No, yeah. I, I, I like I, I, I sleep with uh, with an ascot. You know, get, like I, I am so buttoned down. It's ridiculous. Like, uh, no, no. I, 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 but I, I think it's it's great. So, do you guys dress up? Uh, I do okay. because we have a big family uh, Halloween party every year since my kids were tiny. I'm, I always dress up every year, even sometimes if it's a little lazy. But um, yeah, I, I love Halloween. I think it's really fun and I love to dress up. Are you going to a party, Frankie, too? Do you dress up? Uh, the party will be, um, yes, me just parading my dog around in her costume, probably. I, have you guys seen the show, What We Do in Shadows? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That? Great show. Okay. Great show. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So I kind of, if I can rally us, I want us to be, uh, myself be Nadja and then Matt be L- Laszlo and then Daphne could be our <laughs> bat. Um, that's oh, with us. cute. <laughs> So I need I to love it. I need to get my act together. I've got like ten days, so let's see if I can make it happen. Yeah. And and Emma, nice. what's it going to be like for it. you? I think I might go as a disco ball. I saw <laughs> a disco like like <laughs> like with with the, yeah. with little mirrors all around you. Yeah, like, oh, I wow. saw a costume like a tutorial costume on TikTok, and I was like, that would be so fun to make and to do. But if I don't get anything, it I have a bunch of ridiculous dresses, so I'm very good at uh, makeup. And a lot of times, if I can't do anything, I'll just be like, uh, I'm a, I'm I'm a dead person who went to prom. Right. You know, like you can always just add dead to anything yeah, and then that's a costume. in front of anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for coming on. This was super, super fun. And George, uh, I really, really enjoy your work around town. And uh, let's catch a movie together sometime. I would love that. I am so in. Absolutely. Tell me when I'm there. Let's do it. <laughs> Perfect. Frankie, you're invited. Let's do it. All Absolutely. right. Make it happen. <laughs> That's it for us today here on CityCast Boise. The show is produced by Evelyn Avitia and Jennifer Jarrett. We got loads of help from Lizzie Goldsmith this week, and our newsletter writer is Blake Hunter. Frankie Barnhill is our lead producer, and I'm Emma Arnold. Our music is by All the Kimonos and local band Up is the Down is the. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from your favorite place. Have a great weekend, Boise! I'm literally searching right now because I need to get a costume for Daphne. I'm yes. deciding between <laughs> skunk. She kind of has a little like uh, oh a white razor uh, stripe down her nose already. So it's perfect for a skunk. She could just, it just like would fit. Maybe a bat.